Jesse Carpenter. Just joking. <laughs> all right. Tyler said that we're all normal people. I just want to say he's wrong. I'm not normal. Every 12 years, they bring me out to give a message. You know, so it's, I got a little rust. So you guys are going to have to have some grace for me. All right? All right. Why am I up here? I don't know. Well, I want to talk to you guys about the power of this communal practice that we do called corporate worship and just the centrality that it has throughout history and what it is that we're actually doing. Like, why, why do we stand up and sing these songs? What's the point of all this? This is weird. Especially in our culture, this is not something we just naturally do. People don't gather together and sing songs together unless they do karaoke or something like that, right? I'm staring at you. You said don't look at you, but I'm doing it anyway. So, all right. So before we do that, I'm just going to pray real quick and invite the Holy Spirit. Uh, man, God, we just thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for your family that you're gathering together here. And I just ask that today you'd speak to our hearts, that you bring revelation to us, that you would convict us and encourage us and all the things that you do. Uh, we know it's only by the power of your spirit that we're changed and made new. So would you come and do that today? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, we're going to stand together. That's right. There's going to be some participation. I hope you guys are okay with that. All right. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I say, no, never mind. All right. Let's read Colossians. Is it, you have it back there somewhere? Uh-oh. Do we not have it? All right. Oh, hey, all right. All right, Colossians 3.16, we're just going to read it together. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. All right, you guys can sit down. <clears throat> so why did I start with this? Well, I think the scripture is a snapshot of what it looked like to gather together in the early church. And actually, we can, we've seen through manuscripts that have been found that that's exactly, actually what a gathering looked like back then. So the earliest one they found describes there being two hours of singing songs together. What? And not only that, but the, when they read Scripture, they sang it together. They sang Scripture. When they prayed, what they do? They sang prayer, their prayers. They had prayers that were already written out. They would sing them together. So worship didn't start with Bethel and Hillsong and Maverick City. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, it's been going on a long time. Actually, in ancient Israel, they had ten different words for worship. Jesus, at the Last Supper, sang a song of worship. And the Bible actually says that there was worship before the earth was even founded. Lucifer was a worship leader in heaven before he fell, right? And then in Revelation, we read that there's worship that's going on and on and on throughout eternity. So worship is not only central to the church, it's central to the people of God, and it's central throughout eternity. All right. All right, I'm going to read Hebrews 13, 15. 
By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So it's talking about a different kind of sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they had to do sacrifice for sin. But thank God we don't have to do that anymore, right? Jesus took care of that part. We're good. And I'm so grateful because I would hate to have to carry, like, sheeps and goats up the steps. And then we have to slaughter in front of everybody, and it would be really messy. And I don't think they would invite us back, Tyler, to the leaping lizard with blood stains all over the walls and everything. That could get ugly. Actually, I was reading in the Talmud, this is like an ancient um, Jewish text, that in certain festivals, the blood, because of how much sacrifice, there'd be blood up to the priest's knees. That's messed up. We're talking about like thousands and thousands of animals. Uh, This one historian said it was basically like a butcher shop. I'm so glad church isn't like a butcher shop. We don't have to do that anymore. But we are offering a sacrifice. I'm going to read it one more time. Let us offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. What's the fruit of our lips? What is the fruit of our lips? You guys can talk. Words, right? Our voice. Our mouth. And what I really want us to do is I want us to try to change our paradigm here and understand that worship is primarily an offering before it's anything else. It can be a lot of things, and we're going to get into some of that. But first and foremost, we are bringing an offering to God. God is still asking us for an offering, okay? We don't need to do the sin offering, right? We've moved on from that. But he's, hey, we are still bringing our offerings here today. And that is crucial. All right, so we're going to be talking about the stages of worship. I'm going to make it real simple. A, B, C, D, right? We can do that. You can pull that up. All right, A. Attention, B, our bodies, C, communion with God, and D, a deposit from God. All right, A, attention. So worship starts with attention. When we come together, the first thing you want to do when it's time for worship, when we stand up together, is you want to be able to push everything else out, all the distractions, everything, and you want to tune yourself to the Lord. Attention is a powerful thing. I was actually, I'm kind of getting nerdy in my old age. I'm like getting into science and stuff, you know, but I like to think of science as like the study of God's creativity, right? So it's actually been really cool and speaking to me and my relationship with the Lord. But anyways, there's this experiment called the double slit experiment, and it's actually showing that our attention actually alters reality, that when we attend to something, it actually changes reality. I don't have time because Tyler's like, you got to be quick, but you should look it up. The double slit experiment, it's really, really cool. So when we attune to something, something happens. When we give our attention, there's a famous saying that says we become what we behold, right? So our attention not only forms us, but what we give our attention to actually Uh, we begin to worship what we attend to. All right, I want you guys to do me a favor real quick. Let's pull out our phones. Everybody pull out your phone. Hold it up for me. What's the enemy of attention? 
distraction, right? These things are like created. The apps inside of them are specially formed to grab your attention. They have scientists and psychologists and coders and everything working on ways to keep your attention. You know, like the, uh, the stupid games where like... Uh, like Angry Birds and all those things. I love Angry Birds. Don't, I'm not hating. She, she was like, oh, you know, I love Angry Birds. But, um, you know, all the, they're designed to keep us playing. I, I, re, I remember hearing one time that, like, uh, at some point, Facebook, you didn't flip pages. You were just able to keep scrolling. And that whole thing was because they wanted to keep your attention. So I, this is why I believe worship is more important than ever. Because we're, with so much vying for our attention in our world today, where else is there that's better to connect us with God than when we come together in corporate worship and we focus all of our attention on him? You know, I was, uh, I was talking about being formed by our attention. I, I go to a chiropractor sometimes when my back's acting up, my neck acts up. So I go into the chiropractor and, you know, just trying to be friendly. He's like, hey, man, how, how are things going? How's business? And uh, Dr. Koken, who's excellent, I recommend him. Um, uh, Dr. Koken was like, oh, business is amazing. And he's like, you know, uh, I'm going to be busy for a long, long time. And I was like, oh, why is that? And he's like, these things. He said that what's happening <laughs> is because people's heads are always down, people are having humps that are forming in their neck and actually restricting them, and they're coming in and by droves because they're having neck issues, what we give our attention to literally forms us, like literally, like physically, it forms us, okay? All right, I'm going to read two scriptures together here. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Or attune, give your attention to these things. And then Colossians 3, 2, 3. Set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. For you died in your life with Christ or your life is hidden with Christ in God. So what I want you to see here is there is a hierarchy of things that we can give our attention to, okay? If there is something lovely, that means there is something unlovely, right? If there is something pure, that means there's something that's unpure. So worship is about attending to the highest thing, right? The highest good. So I'm going to talk to you real quick about the way attention works. We always attend ourselves to a perceived good. Okay? We're all, we would not do anything in life. We would literally not, we wouldn't take a step in life if this weren't true. Right? So there's no reason for, so let me try to explain. There's no, re, there's no reason for me to walk into this room if I don't believe it something good is going to happen by doing that. When you got up, when you woke up this morning and you got out of bed, you thought 
you know what? I think it's better for me to get out of bed than to lay here the rest of the day. Some of us, right? And when you decided to put your clothes on, you said, I think today's going to go better if I'm wearing clothes than if I'm not wearing clothes. Or if I'm putting makeup on or if I'm combing my hair, whatever. You attend to what you perceive is good. But, you know, when someone's depressed, it's, I think what they're really doing is they're, they're not able to see that good to attend to. Have any of you guys ever struggled with depression? Tons of us, right? This is not uncommon. And, you know, I've, I've struggled with bouts of depression, especially not as much anymore, thank God. But there's definitely been seasons of that. And times where you don't want to get out of bed, where you're, you're struggling just to force yourself to do the basics in life. Uh, I went to a Bible college a long time ago, like 25 years ago. I'm getting old. Uh, yeah. That's the, yeah, pretty bad. Um, pretty good, actually. All right. Uh, so so I, was, I was in Bible college, and I'd been there maybe a month or two, and I don't know if it was the change in environment or whatnot, but, man, I was under some depression. I was feeling heavy. Every day I woke up and it's like, I know I'm supposed to go to class. I know I'm supposed to do all these things. But I was really struggling to want to do anything. And after about a month or two of this, I was like, I've had it. I'm ready to, ready to go home. Uh, this isn't working for me. And I remember calling my parents and, and I started telling them, hey, I think it's time for me to come back home. You know, I'm just, I don't like it here. I'm ready to go, this, that, and the other. And my dad said something. He said, you know, I, I hear you, and that might be the right thing for you to do, but I, I'd like you to do me a favor. If you'll just stay one more week, and what I want you to do is every morning when you get up, before you do anything, before you get out of bed, I want you to thank God for everything that's good in your life. I want you to just make a list. It's a You've heard of it, I'm sure, a gratitude list, right? Just start listing out the good things in your life. And he said, and me and your mom, we'll be praying for you. And, you know, so if you still want to come home in a week, fine. We'll set it up. We'll get all your stuff back here or whatever. Well, the next morning I woke up and I did my gratitude list and you wouldn't believe it. The change, Right? The change. And after a week, I, I wasn't even thinking about coming back. Things had turned around that quickly. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that every time I've been depressed, I've been able to snap out of it that quickly. You know, it's, it's different uh, for different people and different situations. But, yeah, it, 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 because what I realized, what, what I'm doing is I'm attending to the good, right? I'm thinking about what is lovely, what is pure, the good things that God has given I'm, I'm, I'm putting things in their proper order. You know, I've heard uh, a definition of sin being sin is disordered desire, right? When we sin, we're putting things in the wrong order. So sin disorders our attention, but worship reorders our attention, and it puts it in its proper place. We are tending to that which is holy, 
spotless, and pure, and good. Because there's nothing higher than God. So, all right. A, attention. Let's go to B. All right. B, our bodies. Worship must be embodied. Okay. We're going to read Romans 1 together. So say it with me loudly. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Our bodies, first and foremost, are tools for worship. Amen? Appreciate it. And you see, we see this word sacrifice again, right? This offering. The idea here is that our bodies are tools to offer gifts to God. There's a scripture that says, faith without works is dead. And I'm going to change it. I don't know if you're allowed to change scripture, but I'm going to do it anyways. (laughs) Worship that isn't embodied is dead. It actually isn't worship. Worship is a verb. Worship is a action. So I want you to imagine real quick that you have a, a, I'll imagine Sam or Judah. They're nine-year-old boys, right? So it's their birthday, but they're at school. All day, they can't wait to get home from school because they're going to have a birthday party, and they're going to have cake, and they're going to get presents, and we're going to, you know, fawn all over them. And so all day. They can't wait. They can't wait to get home. And so, and then I'm thinking throughout the day, man, this is going to be great, you know, get to love on my kids and celebrate them, and this is awesome. And, but what if the boys get home from school and they run into the door, and I just stand there, and, I just, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, these boys are great. Man, I would love to just give them some cake I'd love to be able to celebrate them. I would love to be able to give them that bike that they were asking for. But what if I just stood there and I didn't do anything? Would I be celebrating them? Would I? No. In order for it to be a gift, in order for it to be celebration, it has to be embodied. Worship has to be embodied. So I was... uh, watching this really cool TED Talk about singing. And we're going to take a left turn here a little bit. And uh, it was talking about how singing fires the right side of your brain. The right side of your brain is on fire. When you come together and you sing with each other, it's just like fireworks inside of there. And does anybody know what the right side of the brain is for? Like, what are some of the functions of the right side of the brain? Anybody? Emotion, yes. Creativity. I'm sorry, what? Art, yeah, creativity. It opens us to new possibilities, right? Our beliefs, our spirituality, all those things are firing from the right side of the brain. How cool is it that God basically designed singing to lock us into this mental space where we're actually able to be attuned to things that we can't see. I think that's something that God did. He designed us that way. He designed us to come together in singing 
and be able to be opened up to him in a way that we can't when we're in our left side of our brain, the reasoning side, the side that gets us from point A to point B, those functions, right? How cool that he designed worship that way. I think that's just so neat, you know? But worship is more than just singing. Uh, I mentioned t- 10 Hebrew words for worship in the Old Testament. We're just going to run through them real quick. And just repeat after me. Shabak. To shout praise. Barak. To, barak. That's right. To kneel and bless the Lord. Yada. To extend the hands. Toda. To raise the hands. Something like this, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how they're different, but they're different. Uh, taka. To clap. Halal. To celebrate extravagantly. It's the root word of hallelujah. It's like holla. That's so bad. Anyways, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah? All right, seven, tahila. Not tequila. <laughs> tahila. That's singing the scripture. We talked about that earlier. Um, tafila, very close. Prayer, singing your prayer. Zamar, playing the guitar. So you can see there's all these different ways of expressing our worship to God. And I know this can be awkward for some of us, right? We didn't grow up in environments where we did these things. Not many people grow up in environments where we kneel and, and when we dance around and we do all these things. This is not normal. But I was lucky to grow up in a, in a my dad was a worship pastor, so worship was around us all the time. And I was lucky to, these things did feel normal to me. Raising my hands felt very normal. Playing my instrument felt very normal. Expressing myself to God felt very normal to a point. So we're going to go back in time again to the same school that I was at in Dallas, Texas, in Bible college. And there was a service where every once in a while, this is a very charismatic environment, Every once in a while, things get a little crazy, a little crazy. And so, you know, I was comfortable with raising my hands. I was comfortable with clapping and singing. These were in my wheelhouse. No big deal. And I remember there was this time when it was getting pretty rowdy. People were dancing around, you know. People were running up and down the aisles. It was pretty wild. And, I, you know, I don't have a problem with that. That's cool if that's what they want to do. I ain't got no problem with that. And then I'm, I'm, I'm in my sweet spot, right, yeah. doing this. And I feel like God was like, would you dance for me? <sighs> Chills down my spine today as I say it. <laughs> would you dance for me? Oh, no. No, God, I won't dance for you. I'm sorry. That's one step too far. I'm doing pretty good. Doing one of these. He's like, would, so I try to push it out of my mind, right? So I'm like, back, back into my mode. 30 seconds later, I'm serious. I'm like, would you dance for me? Now I'm starting to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's weighing down on me. My chest feels like it's going to explode. Like if I don't dance in the next minute, I'm going to be smited by God. That's how it feels, right? 
And so, and so th- I start doing one of these. You know, got my dance on. And then I feel like God's like, come on. I'm asking for that offering. And I'm like, okay. How about one of these? You like that? God's like, come on. I mean, there's people literally jumping out off of chairs and stuff. And, you know, and I'm like, you know. And then, like, I'm watching these young guys right in front of me. And they're, like, pogo sticking and all this kind of stuff. And God's like, will you dance for me? And again, I'm like, come on, God. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. God was asking for a different sacrifice that day. So guess what I had to do? I had to pogo around with all the other guys. Felt awkward the whole time. It never got any easier. I wish I could tell you that it did. But our physical worship can be ritualistic or spontaneous. It can be either. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's always been this judgment from high church and low church. The low church is like, man, you don't get it. You just go through the motions and this, that, and the other. And, and then the high church is like, oh, that's just emotionalism, and we don't do that, you know. But there's a place for both. When we're coming before God, if you're not feeling it, that's okay. It don't really matter. When my son's coming home and he wants to be celebrated for his birthday, it doesn't really matter if I feel like celebrating him, right? It's like, I'm, I want to honor him. I want to celebrate him. I want to embody my celebration of him. Okay? And there's plenty of examples, but I'm cutting time, Tyler. He likes that. He's like giving me death stares and stuff. Um, but if you want to read it later, 2 Samuel 6. It just shows great examples of both ritualistic offerings and then David being so spontaneous that his clothes fly off. It's literally, it's in there. Read it. It's good. It's good stuff. All right, let's go to C, communion with God. How much time do I got left? It's getting tight. Oh, gosh. All right. So we focus our attention on God first. We embody, we use our bodies to worship God. Tyler started the message before I even got up here. Psalm 22.3 says, this is the communion with God. But you, he's talking to God, are holy. You who inhabit the praises of your people. Inhabit. As we sing these songs, God inhabits our praise. It says he makes his home with us. He comes and meets with us. In a different translation, it says that he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. So when we're worshiping in the supernatural realm, we are building a throne for God to come and visit us. Isn't that cool? When I started, when I was leading worship and I started thinking about it through that paradigm, like, man, Jess, when you're leading worship, you're helping create this space for God to come and dwell. That's so cool. So cool. Not only are we communing with God, but we are actually communing together with one another. Um, Back to that same TED talk on singing. Uh, The lady said that science has shown that when we sing in a common space, our neurons actually begin to sync up together. Our breathing starts aligning. Our heartbeats actually start mimicking one another. 
And I, when I heard that, I thought, man, if worship isn't the best example of what it means to be a body, right? When we come together and we sing these songs, we're attuning to God, but we're also being attuned to one another as his body. That's powerful. That's an amazing picture. And sometimes when I'm leading worship and I'm looking out at you guys and everybody's just locked in, I feel that. I feel that sense of unity. All right, this next scripture should be very familiar unless you weren't paying attention to Tyler last week, which, you know, that happens. So let's read it together, 2 Corinthians three, sixteen. But whenever a man turns to the Lord, you can say it with me, the covering is taken away. The heart is free where the spirit of the Lord is. The Lord is the spirit. All of us with no covering on our faces, show the shining greatness of the Lord as in a mirror. All the time we are being changed to look like him with more and more shining greatness. This change is from the Lord who is the Spirit. I just want to highlight a couple things. When we come to the Lord, when we give our attention to him, it says there's a covering taken away says that God brings freedom to our hearts. It says that we start to become changed and actually start to look like him. Remember I talked about we become what we behold. Well, let's go to D, deposit from God, because that's, that's what's going on, right? We cannot help but be changed by God, from, by God when we're with him. Who here has had an encounter with God during worship? That's what I thought, right? I remember asking a group of people, describe a time where God just changed your life. And this was in a group of about 15 people in a small group. And we went around the circle, and I swear, about 13 out of the 15 said it was in a time of worship, right? And that's because when God's presence comes, when we give our attention to him, we embody our praise to him, he comes and makes his home with us, his dwelling with us, and we become changed. You know, I, sometimes if worship's really good, I'm like the happy drunk guy at the party afterwards. Uh, you'll see me, like if worship's good afterwards, I'm going to be hugging people, telling them how much they mean to me and stuff. That's because God is like doing something in my heart. And again, because I don't have time, but it's a good story. I'll tell you later. <clears throat> Uh, a long time ago, I moved into a home, and there were critters in the home, demonic critters, okay? And so I had had this horrific experience with uh, the demonic in this home, and it was really scary. And this was on a Saturday night, and um, it really shook me in a way. I mean, I knew, yeah, God, you're more powerful, but I was freaked out. I experienced some things I had never experienced before, and... You know, the, that night, I had a hard time sleeping, obviously. The next morning, I felt heavy. You know, I just felt like there was just like a weight on my shoulders, a heaviness. And I remember as I came into worship that day, I'm like, God, you got to help me. I know you're more powerful. I know, you know. And, and so as I began to worship the Lord, there was just this peace that whew, 
rested on me, right? There was this comfort, this love, and, and all of a sudden that fear began to be transformed into his love. Whatever you're coming in with, when you come in to worship the Lord, God can change it in his presence. Amen? Okay. We're just going to do one worship song together. That's all I got. Is that all right? All right, all right. Let's uh, stand together. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes. We're going to sing a worship song. First, let's just stand there and let's close our eyes. And we're going to read a scripture. And, and basically, this scripture is describing a, a worship experience that happened in the Old Testament. And as we're reading the scripture, I want you to put yourself into that moment, okay? So I want you to use your imagination as Amanda reads the scripture. Hello? Cool. Then the religious leaders came out of the holy place. All the religious leaders who were there had set themselves apart without thinking of how they were divided. All the Levite singers, Asaph, Heman, Judathan, and their sons and brothers were dressed in fine linen. They stood east of the altar with timbrels and different kinds of harps. With them were 120 religious leaders sounding horns. Those who sounded the horns and the singers made themselves heard as with one voice, praising and thanking the Lord. They sang in a loud voice with horns and timbrels and other objects for making music. They praised the Lord, saying, He is good, for his loving kindness lasts forever. Then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. The religious leaders could not stand to do their work because of the cloud, for the shining greatness of the Lord filled the house of God. <laughs> 